Hello, thank you for joining us. I'm Brian Vernellis, Digital Director at the Holland Sentinel, and this is another episode of, well, these episodes of our podcast are kind of, uh, we've kind of adjusted our schedule, wouldn't you say? I'm joined by <laughs> editor Sarah Leach. Hello, Hello. Sarah. Hey, Sarah. Uh, we've been, uh, yeah, th- these podcasts are, are few and far between these days, but we're trying to keep it going, right? Yeah, I think that we've been like, you know, pretty creative and adjusting to this new work climate. Yes, I agree. I liked, we did a video cast a couple weeks ago featuring you and your aunt, uh, our managing editor, uh, and her mom. So I know the sports guys are doing their podcasts. In fact, I think we're kind of piggybacking off their last podcast and what we're going to do here. They were talking about some of their favorite or some of their most memorable stories, I guess, they've covered. Uh-huh. Uh, you and I have been in the business. Boy, I hate to sound like the old timer in the newsroom, <laughs> but, you know, I've been in the newspaper business uh, almost 20 years, a little over 20 years. Yeah. yeah. Same for I'm you? I'm far behind you. Okay. Yeah. Boy, we've seen our fair share. <laughs> Yeah, I think I, I joined the college newspaper staff in 97 or 98. See, you have a leg up on me because I didn't get into journalism until late. Uh, I never, I went to U of M and I never was on the newspaper staff there. I did some freelance stuff for maybe one or twice, you know, one or two. Yeah. So I was behind that curve. So you got the leg up on me. Oh, in that, well, that equalizes us. Yes. You're just a couple years older than me. So it's kind of even Stephen. Yes. So you mentioned taking this from a different angle, some of the stories that got you in the business. Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate? Because I know when I was thinking about switching majors and what I wanted to do. I wanted to be the next Mitch album. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So you went through the, the sports pipeline. And yes. The, the glory and the... Yes. Because I love yeah. reading his columns. You know, the next yeah. Mitch album, the next, you know, I, I'm drawing a blank and some other my heroes at the time. Um, you know, Thomas Boswell with the Washington Post, guys like that. Uh-huh. Guys in Sports Illustrated. But you had actual events that were key in laying the groundwork, do you think? Well, yeah, I think that, um, you know, when we were talking about kind of like prepping for this recording um, before we started, it's it's like, how far back do you go? Because I do think that some things that happen in your life when you're younger tend to influence you and how you see the world. And I, I think that some of those things definitely played a part. Um, we were talking about the Challenger explosion mm-hmm. um, in the mid-80s, and I, I remember getting really excited about the school teacher that was on board, and we all kind of watched that footage over and over again, much like what would happen later when 9-11 yeah. happen you know 15 years later it was kind of the same experience i mean it's a different it's a different place it's a different you know different details but it's kind of they're like kind of parallels there in terms of like a nation just kind of stops and watches right and i remember that feeling um i don't think that it necessarily like i didn't just go home and say i want to be a journalist but <laughs> right but i do think that when i when it came time to pick a major um, years later, I think that that was one of the reasons why I picked what I picked because I, I enjoy reading, I enjoy writing, and it's interesting to me how events of the world change people. Did you feel like it was you wanted to be part of the solution, maybe helping to people, uh, helping people come to terms with this? Because, like you said, in those events, you know, Challenger. 9-11, everybody collectively held their breath, like, what do we do now? Yeah. yeah. Uh, where do we go from here? Uh, and, and, you know, and journalists may get dragged through the mud these days, but I think in both of those cases, we were extremely important uh-huh. to um, 
keep that information flowing. Um, and and then we'll, maybe at nine eleven we got caught up a bit with the response and uh-huh. you know the gung ho charge of you know let's go get them. Where right. in the latter years we were a bit more reticent, and then maybe turned the tables, did a one eighty, and started saying asking those questions we should have asked. Right. Uh, right. When it first occurred. Well, I mean, it's an interesting point to think about how we're people too, and how we are we are also human beings living through yeah. the same events that's affecting everybody else so deeply. Yeah. Um, I, I think that um, I, I didn't, I actually didn't um, declare a major my first year of college. I kind of just like went through like, you know, the basic courses and mm-hmm. stuff. And I was really interested in some like basic level psychology. And oh. we learned about um, flashbulb memories and they used um, events like the Kennedy assassination and like re- really traumatic typically um, stuff or, or yeah. you know, it could be a championship game, you know, the Cinderella story. It's something that, that, that leaves like this indelible impression in your psyche where you can remember where you were, you can remember what you were wearing sometimes or who yeah. was with you or what the smells were. And I thought that that was so interesting. And I think that, you know, when I eventually joined the, the student um, staff, that, that was kind of like, you know, you go and you see all the president's men and you learn about Watergate and the big stories. And so, you know, you want to be a part of it in some way. You want to, it's not just like a, I want a Pulitzer or I want to be um, like do like a gotcha thing or anything. It's more of like just being a part, a part of something that's important. Right. I think that, that basically was the motivation Yeah. Um, for me. Well, I know I wanted to meet my sources in a garage at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> follow the money. Yes. Follow the money. <laughs> You're close. You're so close. It's like an onion. Well, and not long after that, you know, I didn't really even know like what I wanted to do like long term, but not long after I, I kind of figured out like what my major was, um, the, the Columbine incident happened. Okay. And that was another like just terrible, tragic story where I, like, I mean, we, we were swept up in that for weeks because nobody could fathom really that this could happen with such a young age demographic mm-hmm. and have something so carefully planned out. And, ha- you know, how did, how did this happen? Where did it all go wrong? They were close to us in age at the time. So that was another, you know, they, these kids were only like, like four or five years younger than I was. Yeah. And it just kind of, it's really unsettling to, to think about from a psychological standpoint, you know, how did this happen? And so those were like some of like the early influencers. And then, you know, you kind of have like some more of the obvious things that come after that, which, what, what, when did you um, join, like make the leap into, into newsrooms from sports? Uh, I didn't, let's see, uh, I started out in sports up until about 2006. Okay. And then I kind of made that transition into multimedia, uh-huh. doing more video work. Right. Um, but you know, it, it when it came time to uh, um, you know figure where I wanted to go with it, you know, because I was enjoying doing it so much, and it was such a different way of you know, because it was you know print based, and now all of a sudden we're told to do video stuff. Sure. Or, or audio. Yeah, and you got to think in a different way right. to, pre- to present the story. Yeah. And you had to have everything in a backpack, literally, <laughs> and, you know, go cover a story or something like that. Um, and that's why I went, you know, went to grad school was to be able to 
hopefully get ahead of that curve, I guess, because uh-huh. so many newspapers were heading that direction. Yeah, but the, you know, I even when I was uh, um, on the sports side, we were called into duty for stuff like nine eleven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was all hands on deck. Yeah, that was, and then uh, you know, unfortunately, when Columbia was coming in. The mm-hmm. space shuttle Columbia and she broke up over Texas. I mean that that kind of I, I was working in Shreveport, Louisiana, and that was it blew over uh, uh, East Texas, mm-hmm. and they were they were finding pieces near us in Louisiana, you know, from Texas all the way over into Mississippi. So again, that was you know that was another story that they said you know all hands on deck and we got to go out and you know when it came to nine eleven, the first place Bush flew from Florida was to Barksdale Air Force Base in Shreveport. Huh. So our military guy was over there and, you know, a you know, minute notice. And then uh, they started, the editors started getting together and trying to figure out, you know, who's on deck and who needs to go where. And uh, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was really crazy that day. Yeah, I, I was the editor of my student um, paper that year. Okay. And I was older uh, than a lot of the other students because I, I took my time going through school. I, you know, I took five years to get through school. Um, and I also had taken a Woo-hoo. gap year. So I, I was, I was 25. Yeah. I was, I was an older, older, um, graduate and I've got these, you know, 18 year old kids yeah. working for me. And some of them were just like, this was just like a little side job that they were doing. They didn't necessarily want to do this for their careers. Yeah. And I mean, we, they all thought that the world had ended. You know, like nobody understood the scope of this, um, the ramifications, you know, when the, when the planes go silent and, you know, everything goes dark and there's no, there's no information. There were kids crying in the streets. It was, it was so intense. I think that, you know, (laughs) in some ways I think, uh, we peaked a little early because I don't know if we'll ever see another story like that again we'll see a lot of tragedy in our lives and a lot of good in our lives but i just i just don't think that we'll ever see something quite like that again because america was completely taken off guard very very pearl harbor-esque yes thank you yeah took the word so it's going to be like another generation before we see something like that happen again i hope i hope i don't ever have to live through that again yeah and then when we went to war by then i was working at uh, the Muskegon Chronicle, and there were the headlines of, you know, bombs over Baghdad. And I can't tell you how many times, like, I've there's been like, these stories, and almost all of them are sad or tragic in some way, because those are the ones that make you kind of, your world kind of stop for a minute. And whatever staff I was working with, and whatever newsroom I was in, you'd stop and you'd watch, like, you would all watch as a staff in silence. Yeah. Um, the television as something, you know, very heavy was playing. And, you know, while we're, we're bombing another country, and I just remember standing there with a group of journalists, and we're all just, you know, no one had no one had any words, because we just never thought that we were going to see something like that in our lifetime. It's funny, that rings, that brought up such a memory for me, coming in on the day of 9-11 to our newsroom in Louisiana. We had the old school televisions, not the flat screens, but the old right. yes, the, the ones, tubes. Oh, it's cool. We had the ones on the wheels, you know? Like yeah. The, well, we had a bank. Yeah. We had a bank of five or six, Yeah. you know, pretty much cubes, hanging yeah. from the wall. And they were all tuned to, you know, CNN, ABC, NBC, CBS. Uh, And everybody was just a statue in front of those televisions for for the rest of the day. Remember when they showed like that, just, it was just the worst. (laughs) Um, When they were, all of the um, 
cameras were trained on the towers because it took a long time for them to burn so hot mm. that they collapsed and people were leaping to their deaths yeah. and they kept showing that. I don't know if you remember that, but they showed that over and over again because it took place over several hours. Mm-hmm. And then they finally stopped showing the footage because they realized how traumatizing that could be for the readership. But I think in the moment, you don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And they didn't realize that this was going to be so, so awful because everyone right. was just trying to cover the story without thinking about, you know, more deeply. And sometimes that happens, you know, yeah. where, where yeah. you just don't really have much perspective because you're in it too. Well, all these stories that we've been talking about... <laughs> It's a lot of tragic yeah. stuff going on. <laughs> on the flip side of that, I have to say, I did get the I was I was lucky enough to get to cover LSU football, Louisiana State football, the year they won the national championship. That's the hardest I've ever worked as a reporter. Really? I don't know how those guys do it year after year. I was only on the beat for six months, but that's the hardest six months I've ever covered a team or <laughs> been a reporter because you're constantly it's seven days a week. Mm-hmm. You're writing at least two stories a day. You're um, plus you've got game day Saturday, so that's probably three stories right there. Wow! You've got news conferences. You've got you're always thinking not just the next day, but you're thinking the next week. You're thinking the next month ahead. Uh-huh. And then that year they went to the national championship, and it was in New Orleans. So the entire state of Louisiana was just one big Mardi Gras party for. <laughs> For the entire month of January, for December and January, that was that was really unforgettable. They played Oklahoma that year, and it was just I, it's it's insane. If you ever get a chance to go to an SEC football game, I know if big, I can never leave my house again. You mean? If you never leave your house again, <laughs> if by some chance somebody says, "Hey, let's go down to Florida and go see the Gators play Tennessee," I highly recommend just going to an SEC football game just for the food alone. <laughs> Uh, they they cater their tailgates. I'd never seen that before. That blew my mind. This is this is like 2003, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. And they cater their tailgates. <laughs> like they bring in a company that would just this guy, uh, it was one guy I met through a friend. He said, "Come on, we'll go to our tailgate." Who's this? "Oh, it's the cook. It's the chef." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> He said, oh, yeah, we got lobster tails, we got crawfish, we got, you know, steak tips, whatever you want. I'm like, you got to oh be kidding goodness. me. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Yes. The, the, the RVs, the games are Saturday nights, right? The RVs yeah. start showing up Wednesday. The <laughs> RVs of alumni start filling the parking lot on Wednesday. So they don't just make a day of it, they make a week of it? They make, <laughs> oh my God. I, it, it truly is. You know, I'd gone to U of M, I'd been to plenty of Michigan football games. It's a great time, you know, but there they take it on a whole other level. Um, <laughs> it's just, and then once it starts to get to fall and the weather turns from that hot, muggy southern weather yeah, to yeah. nice southern <laughs> summer late summer winter oh it's perfect it's just it's really perfect yeah i'm trying to remember like some of the like less tragic driven stories they're i mean they're serious stories so i wouldn't say that they're necessarily like you know features or um you know the the cinderella story or anything like that but right you know the 2000 election um was a was a terribly interesting um experience to go through and i say that in a in the in the best possible way because even though it upset a lot of people, I mean, what a wild ride that whole thing was. <laughs> I, you know, like I had, 
I was still a young, you know, adult and I had, you know, maybe voted in two presidential elections by then, but I didn't realize that this, this kind of thing could happen. And, you know, the whole split between the popular vote and the electoral college, which we also saw in 2016, yeah. you know, all of that, the, the debate, the push and pull, like the, the arguments that we would get in, in the newsroom. Those are really, you know, things that kind of, I, I feel like not just made me a better journalist, um, but they also made me a better human because it's good to have, it's healthy to have those kinds of debates and sometimes even intensely, um, even if right. nobody really walks away convinced of the other person's point of view, you still don't forget their words. Right. They stick with you a little bit. I will say that's what I, I've really loved. The multimedia aspect of my career mm-hmm. is that. I've branched away from sports and now I am covering like President Obama came to the south side of Chicago to make the Pullman uh, factory a national monument. So these are the guys, these are the porters in the Pullman, the old Pullman rail cars that were, you know, serving the the, uh, passengers. Right. So they made that factory and that area into a national, a national monument, I think it was. And he came to... His old stomping grounds where he used to, um, as a um, community activist, this was uh-huh. his neighborhood back in the, you know, when he was a youngster in the uh, 80s and 90s. Right. Um, I can't remember the school, but to be caught up and I've, to be caught up in that, just to see him enter um, a school from his neighborhood. Uh-huh. And, and just all the to pop and circumstance. Oh, and see everybody just boom as soon as he walked on the stage. Interrupted, I bet. That was, and uh, you know, when Trump came to uh, to Van Andel, it was the same thing. As soon as yeah, he, it's almost like a tangible. Yes, like you almost feel it in yes, there. Yeah, very much so. Comparable to a, a playoff sports game. <laughs> yeah, where yeah. You get the euphoria, that, the yes, attention. Yeah. the electricity yeah. is building. Right, I get it. I, I, um, I don't often talk about this. This, uh, my experience overseas um, with our staff, <laughs> but I did an internship in Beijing for four months, and it was an exchange program where they would send um, a working journalist over to Central Michigan University, and they would spend a semester. I'm not sure if they were actually teaching because I'm not sure if they were bilingual or not, but they kind of you know hung out and studied and you know absorbed all the things. Yeah. And then we would send a student journalist over there, and they would do copy editing for the China Daily and its various sub publications. That was English um, speaking, right? It was yeah, it was in English. I actually worked for a smaller publication that was geared towards younger adults that was called Twenty First Century, which I, I thought was, you know <laughs> it was an interesting experience because uh they, because I was the one of the token Americans that they had there. And so they, they really would like pepper you with like really random questions about like what <laughs> One time, it was around Easter time in the states, you know, in the in the um, Christian world, and you know the the Chinese are like they they don't they don't get the whole Easter thing, yeah. right? <laughs> and so one of them walked up to me, one of the reporters, and said, "What is a peep?" <laughs> and I didn't. <laughs> I made him repeat himself a couple times because I wasn't sure if I heard him right. And I said, oh, it's it's a candy and it's a it's marshmallow and it's covered in sugar and they're colorful and I don't know, you know, shaped like a chicken. And they said, but why? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I needed to like answer for my culture. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I don't really know why. <laughs> because we can. 
Uh, it's called capitalism, my friend. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was um it was an interesting time. Um, there were when when I first got there in January, and it's it's quite cold, and um, it's just very bitter um, in temperature because it's so far north. And there were protesters who were going to Tiananmen Square um, every day, and they were lighting themselves on fire um, to protest. That happened, I think it was either the week before or the week of me arriving there. And they were they were a part of this group that's called Falun Gong um, that has, it was talked about at the time, it's kind of coming, they're still around. Yeah. They do like a lot of like Tai Chi, move, you know, um, meditative movements in parks and stuff. And so they were protesting their, their you know, the, the crackdown of the Chinese government saying that they weren't allowed to practice this because, you know, communism. And so that was a very intense thing to walk into when you're in a completely foreign country wow. and you don't really know what's going on and you're a kid. And, and I'm like, where am I? Holy cow. <laughs> and, then, and then later, uh, I think it was a couple months later. I don't know if you remember this story, but there was a, a U.S. plane that actually went down somewhere near either in China or near the Chinese border. And they had the crew, the crew um, ejected safely. Uh-huh. And then they were kind of taken into custody for a while and there was like this international you know incident where you know why were you there were you spying then they had to negotiate the release of the crew members then they tried to get the plane and then the plane they finally eventually released the plane they came back in pieces because they had taken it all apart yeah so those weren't like you know monumental stories in and of themselves to other people but they were to me because it was the first time that i was getting like a firsthand view from across the pond as to how like international relations worked and foreign policy and that like it's it's just it's so interesting in terms of like the push and pull of all these different interests that come together in order to kind of you know coexist but there's like this friction right. constantly you know. and it's a total um, 180 from i mean it's one thing if you went to europe where it's you know it's kind of similar you know it's the same yeah but that to go to china i mean talk about a 180 well and then to work at the newspaper and they didn't really write about it yeah you know and it was it was very um whitewashed in terms of how it was presented to the chinese public and you know i technically was a part of that and you know i knew that i wasn't there for very long and you know i wasn't going to get myself thrown in jail or anything but (laughs) but i also it made me value even more what we have here what we're allowed to be Mm -hmm. over here regardless of you know how people view us you know in the past the current you know the present the future it it can always be worse. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Count your blessings. Yeah, exactly. Well, on that note, comrade. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't say that too loudly in this in this climate right now. <laughs> oh, they might be listening through my MacBook. Oh, jeez. Right. <laughs> uh, I think we'll wrap it up. Sound good? Yeah. All right. I can't wait to see what uh, what the next installment is from the. Uh, is it is it Audra and Carolyn that are going to do the next it's one? It's the millennial generation. I'll be doing uh, the next. I love one. it. I love it. This is going to be a good series. Okay. So thank you all for listening. Uh, this has been from the newsroom. I guess. I, I guess it's <laughs> sure. Better. We'll call it from the newsroom. Uh, we'll uh, see you next time. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.